Matthew chapter 5 is where we start the Sermon on the Mount today. Matthew tells us that when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. The disciples came to him and he began to teach them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for their will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. And blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you persecute you, falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, for great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who came before me. This is God's word. Those are the opening words of the most powerful, important, world-transforming sermon ever given. I want to challenge you over these next several weeks to read through the Sermon on the Mount because I promise you that the Sermon on the Mount is going to be more powerful than any sermon I preach about the Sermon on the Mount. And yet as we dive into this sermon and look at the layers underneath it, I think we'll see what what God is wanting to equip us in. And so today I would love to give you some points from these first 12 verses. If you're taking notes today, you might have grabbed the notes on the way in or maybe you're in the Three Crosses app. And if you haven't yet downloaded the app, download it. Because today as we start, I want to ask you a question that you can actually answer in the app. And uh, we can kind of wrestle through some of these things together. So open the app, check in online, and you'll see right in the announcements a survey that looks like like this. It's a simple question, a seemingly innocuous question. How you doing? That's a question that if you see someone on the street, say, hey, how you doing? You're like, I'm doing good. How you doing? I'm doing good. Doing fine, right? But... But even when you're not doing so fine, you say, I'm doing good, I'm doing fine. And so today, when you answer this question in the app or in your heart, or if you write the answer on your paper, how are you really doing? Maybe you're doing fantastic, right? You click, things are fantastic. Maybe you'd say, hey, I'm, I'm doing okay. Or honestly, things could be better. Or maybe today, you're barely holding it together and you got to click. I'm really going through it right now. Right? How are you doing today? The reason I ask this question is not just to wake you up, get you thinking. The reason I ask this question is because it relates to what Jesus teaches on in, in Matthew chapter 5. So as you, even as you look at these four on the screen, we can put them back up there. The question I'd ask as you're looking at these four answers is which of these four answers Would you say that in that season of life, I'm blessed? Right? Because when things are fantastic, sometimes we use the word blessed to stay humble. Right? As Christians, we don't say, I'm killing it at work. We say, I'm blessed. Right? I'm blessed. 
In, in seasons where we're doing okay, blessing is a, a consolation, right? You're, you're, you're doing fine. It's not fantastic, but it's fine. Hey, how you doing? You're like, you know what? I'm blessed. I'm blessed, right? Nothing to complain about. I'm blessed. When things are, are kind of hard, blessing can be a, a comfort, right? You're downtrodden. Your face is, is low, and you're walking through life, and your Christian friend says, hey, are you doing okay? And you're like, you know what? I'm blessed, and it's a comfort in a season where things aren't so good. But I would guess that if you're like me, that last question on the survey, when we're really going through it, blessing is the farthest thing from our heart or our minds or our lips. And if you're honest in that moment, you wouldn't say I'm blessed. You might say I'm angry at God. I'm lonely. I feel like God has forsaken me. I'm questioning if he's hearing my prayers. I'm wondering if I've done anything wrong. Life is falling apart. No, I'm not blessed. I'm just barely holding it together. Three of these four categories we might call blessed. And yet in Matthew chapter 5, in the verses I just shared, Jesus ascribes blessing to category number four. Blessed are you. When you're persecuted, blessed are you. When you're poor in spirit, blessed are you. When you're hungry and thirsty for righteousness, blessed are you. When you're suffering and struggling in those seasons, Jesus says, you're blessed. The scholars say that there were two audiences for the Sermon on the Mount who were connecting with Jesus simultaneously. And it says that we saw the crowds, that's one audience. He, he called the disciples to himself and, and he sat down. It's the second audience. So Jesus teaches the Sermon on the Mount to equip the disciples for ministry and life in his kingdom. But Jesus proclaims this blessed way of life in full hearing of these crowds, who many of whom are desperately going through it in that moment. And if you turn a page back in the scriptures, you see the last verse of Matthew chapter 4 talks about who was in the crowd. It says that people brought to Jesus all who were ill with various diseases, those suffering severe pain, the demon-possessed, those having seizures, the paralyzed, and he healed them. Large crowds from Galilee, the Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and the region across the Jordan followed him. I would guess that if you're in that crowd and you recently got healed by Jesus, you were doing great. But from the rest of the Gospels, kind of seeing the kind of the percentage of people Jesus was even able to heal on these healing tours, I would guess that most of the people in the crowd were, would say, I'm going through it. I'm suffering with one of these ailments. I'm trying to get a glimpse of Jesus because blessing is found in him. I need his blessing. And then Jesus sits down and stops healing and starts teaching. And, and he starts describing that the blessed life is accessible to those who are going through it in this season. As we approach this text today, you might be in that season right now. Maybe you're going through it. And if that's you, this sermon is literally for you. Jesus proclaimed this teaching to the disciples in full view, in full hearing of folks just like you so they might hear from the words of God himself that he has not forsaken you, that he is for you, that his blessing is, is on you, that his face shines upon you even in a season like this. 
And yet today, if you're in a season, maybe fantastic season, a doing good season, or even a not so good season, I would argue that this sermon is for you too. Because even though the crowds were listening on, this teaching was for the disciples that Jesus was equipping intentionally to live life on mission with him. Even knowing that someday the blessed life would stop feeling like the blessed life when persecution comes your way or when hard things happen in ministry or even connecting with those who are having a hard time. Jesus says, I, I want to equip you to know that these people who are struggling and coming to you to get access to God, they are under my blessing, not my cursing. So wherever you are today, this sermon is for you. We're going to walk through the Sermon on the Mount for the next several months but today, Jesus sets the tone with this introduction proclaiming a blessing. If you want to go deeper into any of these, the podcast is a great place to do that. AJ and I this week went deeper into each of the nine Beatitudes and defined what they meant. Didn't want to keep you here for an hour today, so we did that on the podcast. But I'll tell you right now, in case you don't listen or you haven't listened yet, which you haven't, that the Beatitudes are broken up into two groups of four. And then a final kind of stab you, punch in the gut uh, beatitude. So we're going to format the sermon on that. So let's read the first four beatitudes, starting in verse 3. Jesus says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Now, the term that we need to understand to understand the blessings of the Sermon on the Mount is the word, it starts with the B, what is it? Blessed. blessed, yes, thank you. Blessed is the word we need to understand. I always want to say blessed because I think I like move into Shakespeare mode when I'm reading the Sermon on the Mount because blessed is not a word that we use very often. You might have a translation that translates it happy, which I think is, is the right direction but isn't the fullness of it. I think to understand the proclamation Jesus is making on these crowds and for these disciples, we need to understand the context of blessing in Jesus' day. Right, if, you love, if you lived in Greek or Roman culture in Jesus' day, blessing was a word that you would use to describe the life of the gods. Right? Remember seventh grade history, the Greek pantheon or whatever it is, right? The life of the gods. They live lives of ease. They don't have to work. They're like uh, the Kardashians, right? Or, or people on Downton Abbey. They just have this, they're well kept. They get to do whatever they want. They're living the blessed life. They are truly above all the mire and mud of this world that we have to live in and struggle in day by day. Right? If someone was elite in their society, they might be called blessed too because they're living a life similar to the gods who don't have to struggle and labor. And not like the rest of us who got to go to work and make ends meet or try to. In the religious context of Jesus' day, in the Jewish community, blessing was a word. They didn't believe in all the Greek gods. Blessing was a word that was used to describe life on the other side of eternity. Right? So if they believed in resurrection, which many of them did, blessed was the life you'd live in heaven. And if you didn't believe in resurrection, blessing was the life that we would finally get to live when the kingdom came, when Messiah was here, when the wrongs were made right, when God was on the throne on this planet, then God's people would finally live the blessed life as compared to now when life is hard, when we're persecuted for our faith, when we're under Roman rule. Blessing is something that God will provide later. So for those listening in, whether they were Jewish religious people or they were worldly people coming to Jesus for healing, blessing was something that they imagined was only for the elite or maybe was only for later. 
And Jesus says, no, blessing is for the least of you and blessing is for today. As he starts this sermon, it's almost like he's beginning his initiation that the kingdom of God, yet, though not yet fully fulfilled, is, is here. It's with you. I am the king and my kingdom is about to break forth. And I'm going to tell you that in my kingdom, you, no matter who you are, no matter where you land on this survey, you are blessed. If you're taking notes today, the way that I encapsulated the first four Beatitudes is that God has favor for those who are struggling. God has favor. He has grace. He has blessing for those who are struggling, going through it, having a hard time. God has favor for the poor in spirit who are just having a hard time keeping their heads up. God's grace is upon those. God has favor for those who are hungry and thirsty for righteousness. They long for the world to be made right. They long for themselves to be made right. They long for things to change. God says, I have favor for you. You will be filled and satisfied. And God has favor for the meek who put one foot in front of the other and resist every urge to explode or break out or revolt or get angry at the system. They keep their power under self-control. Jesus says, the world is your possession for those who are mourning Grieving the loss of a loved one, mourning the state of their own sin, mourning the state of the world. Jesus says, you are blessed too. God has favor on those who are going through it. As a pastor, I, I sit and meet with people all the time who are going through it. And people who are on the other side out of grief, wrestling through a memorial service that they're trying to plan. People who just got rocked with a diagnosis that's difficult to hear. And people who want to fill me in on prayer updates because there's a brokenness in a relationship or there's someone who's going in for testing or there's something that's heavy on their heart. And in those moments, these sacred moments, this, this section of Matthew chapter 5 equips me to be able to proclaim that they are not under God's curse at this time, that they are still blessed. That this is not an indication that God has turned his back on them. In fact, his face shines upon us even when we're struggling, that God is close to the brokenhearted, which is a helpful message for me and for us to be equipped with because so often we find ourselves having to come alongside those who are going through it. I got a text from a cousin this week who said, my, my daughter just suddenly passed away, 25 years old. Out of the blue. We don't know what's going on. I don't even know what's going on. I didn't get the details. Just pray and then ghosted. I got a text from a friend yesterday who said, remember I told you my wife was going in for this routine test, 99%, it was going to be nothing, it's not nothing, it's something. She was just diagnosed with breast cancer, and we've got three little toddlers at home. And these are moments, many of us have faced these moments, and in these moments, it's easy to feel forsaken. And Jesus says to his disciples, in full hearing of those who are going through those moments right now, that those who are going through those moments are not under God's curse. They're under his blessing. He's for them. He loves them. His face shines upon them in their time of need. And one of the things that we say every week here at Three Crosses is welcome home. And this is not just like some pithy saying. We're not just trying to make you like think that you live here or anything. Right? The reason we say welcome home every week is because we want to reinforce every single week that whether it's been a great week or a bad week, 
Whether you're walking with the Lord or you've never heard of him before, whether you're living a life of righteousness or you're steeped in sin, no matter what your week has been, your life has been, your day has been like to get through these doors, you're welcome here. This is home for you. God's blessing, his grace is for you, no matter who you are. In fact, the one similarity we see in the Beatitudes is the only requirement to be a recipient of God's blessing is you have to desperately need him. And so if you're in a place today where you desperately need God, you're blessed. Your prayers have been answered. God is for you. Who can be against you? These first four Beatitudes are designed to equip us to minister to those who are going through the hardest of times. And then Jesus continues, and he gives another set of four Beatitudes. And, and these Beatitudes are designed not to merely equip the disciples to minister to others when they go through hard times, but seemingly to equip his disciples to go through hard times themselves. There's many of the things that come out in these next four Beatitudes are connected with how you're treated or seen in this world as you strive to follow Jesus with your life. We'll read them here. He says, blessed are the merciful, for they'll be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So when you're out there trying to dispense God's mercy and bring forgiveness to all in need, you're blessed in that moment. When you're going out in this world and you're struggling to make your heart's focus solely on God alone, you're blessed. When you're trying to make peace where brokenness exists, when there's a a community that's falling apart or a relationship that's falling out and you're trying to put yourself in the gap and weave the fabric of goodness back together again, no matter how hard it is, you are blessed in that moment. Even when the world puts a target on your back and you're persecuted for righteousness sake, you're blessed. The first four Beatitudes, we learn about God's favor for those who are going through it. In the second set of four Beatitudes, we learn that God has favor for those who are living out their faith in this broken world. God has favor. He has grace. He has blessing for those who are living out their faith in this broken world. A couple weeks ago, I got to sit down with a family that's going through it. They have some relational conflict going on in their lives and around their lives. And their heart's desire is to see healing happen, to see folks reconciled, to see community put back together again. But I'm guessing as I was talking to them that everything in them just wanted to run away. Right, to find new friends, to find a new community, to not step into the mess of the brokenness of relationship. And yet because of their faith in Jesus, they felt compelled to step in and be peacemakers. But being a peacemaker does not often feel like a blessed way of living. Right, we like peacekeeping. Many of us don't like peacemaking. And yet Jesus says in those moments, you're blessed. Those moments where you're leaving for church and your spouse refuses to come. Or they ridicule you for your diligence to follow Jesus. He says, in those moments, you're blessed. In the moments where you get a nickname at work because you're the Christian one, (laughs) you're blessed in those moments. 
In those times in life when you just can't shake the sin that keeps creeping back into your life and you want your focus to be God alone, but you keep falling into the same sins, he says, even then, are you blessed? In the most difficult of circumstances, my blessing comes on you. Which is good news in those circumstances. But it's hard news to think that following Jesus doesn't help us escape from those circumstances. In fact, as Jesus moves into the ninth beatitude, it's almost like he like goes a little deeper with it. He moves from the third person to the second person. Not just blessed are the, but blessed are you. And he goes into it. He says, blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Blessed are you when the world turns on you for your faith. It's hard to feel blessed when the world is coming against you. It's hard to feel blessed when you can't get out of your pit of grief. It's hard to feel blessed when you can't shake the sin that so easily entangles us. It's hard to feel blessed when every day you go to work and you're heaped insults on because of your faith. It's hard to feel blessed when the person you sleep in the same bed with hates that you believe in Jesus. It's hard to feel blessed when your grandkids have wandered away. And Jesus says, not only are you blessed, but rejoice and be glad in these moments. And I am thankful, just based on the <laughs> difficulty of this passage, that after he tells us to rejoice, he tells us why. And he gives us two reasons. He says, blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. And two reasons that we can rejoice and you can write these reasons down to get some hope and some life into your life this week. Number one, Jesus tells us that we can rejoice because we can find earthly rewards or heavenly rewards in our earthly obedience. Heavenly rewards in our earthly obedience. Right? Great is your reward, he says, in heaven. Right, going back to that Jewish religious context that blessed life is what we live on the other side of eternity. Jesus says that's still true. You're going to live your life with my kingdom values in place in this world and people will heap abuse and insults on you because of it. You're going to feel like you're swimming upstream. You're going to feel like the way I've called you to live is foreign to the world around you. And that is true. It is. But someday, as you stay the course, someday as you walk this narrow road, someday as you follow me, the way, the truth, and the life, you're going to find yourself on the other side of eternity. And this way of living that I've given to you to live is going to be easy in the kingdom. In the kingdom, all is made right. In the kingdom, you are filled. In the kingdom, you are not mourning. In the kingdom, God will wipe every tear out of your eye. In the kingdom, the whole way you've chosen to live your life for my sake will be rewarded because it will all make sense on the other side of eternity. Blessed are you because great Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. And the second thing he tells us is that we can rejoice because we're in good company. We're in good company. 
Great is your reward in heaven. For the same way, in the same way, they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Jesus draws out that everyone in the history of the world who strived to live a godly life has been persecuted. When the folks of God's community had gone astray in the Old Testament times, he would send prophets to them to go and proclaim the word, to get them back on track, to make them ready to receive the the word of the Lord, the grace of God, the Messiah of God. And over and over and over again, the prophets are kicked out of town. They're put to death. They're stoned for speaking the truth of God's blessing and grace. Jesus is also foreshadowing his own death. And so many times in his ministry, he puts himself in the line of the prophets and says, you always killed the prophets. And so finally God said, you're not listening to my messenger. I'll send my own son. And then when he comes, you do the same thing to him. Jesus, who lives a righteous life, who is the peacemaker, who is the merciful one, who is the purest in heart who's ever lived, who is persecuted for righteousness' sake. Jesus is put to death on a cross because the world couldn't take the value, the beautiful value that he brought forth of the kingdom of God. He says, when that happens to you, you're in good company. So rejoice and be glad because you're treated like the prophets who have been rewarded by God with the kingdom of heaven. So I'll ask you again, how you doing? (laughs) You're, You're blessed if you're fantastic. You're blessed if you're good. You're blessed if you're not so good. And if you are going through it, let me say, let Jesus say, you're blessed there too. And this is one of those passages that we, that we wrestle with and we say, well, what do I do with this? Right? I want to put this into action. How do you put I'm blessed into action? Let me give you a few things. I want to challenge you this week to, to sit in Matthew chapter 5, verses 1 through 12. And I want you to put your mind as you read through this text and you reflect on this text, I want to encourage you to kind of put on the hat of one of the two layers of audience in that room. You know, read through this passage thinking, what, if, what would it be like if I was someone who was, who was crippled or poor or starving or at the end of my rope, sitting there on the Sermon on the Mount and listening to Jesus teach his disciples, what would it feel like to overhear these words? What would it feel like to hear the God of the universe telling his disciples that people like me are blessed? And then I'd love for you to read it again and put on your disciples' hat, right, your 12 disciples' hat. What would it feel like to hear this teaching, knowing that there are people looking and listening over your shoulder who feel just like Jesus is describing? What is he trying to do to your soul, to your life? How is he trying to equip you for ministry? Because in a moment, Jesus is going to finish the sermon and say, right, let's bow in prayer and amen. I don't know how Jesus finished sermons. And and then the disciples are going to have to stand up and look and see all of these blessed people around them. And they would have to respond. How How would you be equipped to respond if all you had was the Beatitudes out of Jesus' mouth? Sit in it this week. The second thought experiment I'd love for you to to consider this week is not to merely sit in the Sermon on the Mount, but I'd love for you to start to ask the question, whether you're a journaler or you go on walks and think or you just think in general, right? What would it look like to start to build your life upon these nine Beatitudes? And the reason I bring that up as an application point is because the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount is the Beatitudes. 
The end of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus tells the story about the wise man who built his house on the rock. And he says, therefore, whoever hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like that man. He starts and finishes, bookends his sermon with a description of the blessed life and then a challenge to build our lives on this teaching. So what would it look like to start to build your life on this teaching? And the last thing I'd love to challenge you to do as we embark on the Sermon on the Mount today is to come on back and, and plug through this sermon with us. Right, read it at home. Find a book. I put a, a commentary you can read on your outline today. But, but more than that, just come back. Come back next week as we start to look at, at what Jesus gives as application of, okay, you are the blessed people. What do we do with this in the next section? Look between now and Easter as we wrestle with what it looks like to live out the values of the kingdom and identify the seeds of disease and sin in our hearts and uproot them in healthy ways and become pure in heart in that way. Come back after Easter as we talk about the spiritual practices Jesus invites us into and how to walk through them in ways that bring reward in heaven and fulfillment to our souls. Come back in the summer as we talk about how to build a life on these teachings and what we should do to walk on the narrow road and escape the wide one. Keep coming back. This is the most important sermon ever preached, so none of mine will be. But as we walk through this section by section, Jesus will equip us to be his citizens in the world outside our doors. And if you hear nothing else today than this, just know that as you leave these doors, you're blessed. God's face shines upon you. Christ is for you. He gave up his life for your forgiveness and blessing. And so walk with your head held high, even in the most dire of circumstances, because the blessing of God rests upon you, even as you go. I'm going to invite the band to come back up and sing a blessing over us. And in a moment, we can stand together and, and sing with them. They don't just have to sing to us. But that's going to be our benediction today. So we'll sing the song, and Leanne will dismiss us. And, and as you go, after we sing this song, if you need prayer, stop by the prayer room. If you want to stick around for our meet and greet and help get plugged in, stick around for our meet and greet. All the rest of your announcements are on your app, so download that app. But let me pray for us, and then we're going to receive a benediction from our worship team. So let's stand and let me pray. Father, we are truly humbled to think that regardless of where we would answer that survey question, we are blessed. I pray that those who do not feel blessed would receive a blessing from you today to know that you are not punishing them for their sin. Jesus has been punished for their sin. This communion meal today reminded us that, that him in us is the hope of glory. So let all of us, from the highest to the lowest, not just know but feel your blessing today. As we sing this song, may your blessing rest on us and may we go blessed because of the work of Jesus on our behalf. We pray this in his name. Amen.